Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Step into the elevator usually... My block building smells like weed on the inside because there is a group of teenagers that smoke weed in this house every day. I don't know where they live. They just come here to hide and smoke some weed. And it is a very weird thing, but since the war started, my house has never smelled like weed, which is a weird sign, you know, weird marker. Um, telling me that something is wrong, but but it is one anyway. Now I'm home. Last week, as Russian forces advanced into Ukraine, a young woman named Katya started sending us audio diaries from her home city of Kiev. So, I think this is. One of the signs that the most difficult first days of war have passed. Now we have to learn how to live in the war zone and adjust our lives uh, accordingly. We think that this will last for a long time, but obviously even if it ends tomorrow, there will be a long rebuilding process. This week, we bring you more of Katya's dispatches from her home where she's been preparing for an onslaught. Also, it really saddens me that um, some of my family members in Russia don't believe that there's war happening in Ukraine. We bring you the view from Russia. One of my friends said, if you feel so bad right now, it means you're a good person. And uh, I felt like, yeah, probably this is the best description ever. Ukrainian authorities say towns northwest of the capital, Kiev, are under relentless bombardment. Two million refugees have escaped Ukraine. Half of them are children. Ukraine is accusing Russia of violating Tuesday's ceasefire as shelling occurred along a civilian evacuation route. Russian lawmakers passed a law introducing jail terms for anyone who publishes so-called fake information about the country's armed forces. I'm Ariel Dermas, and this is Vice News Reports. More than two million Ukrainians have fled the country, leading to a massive refugee crisis in Europe. But Ukraine is home to more than 40 million people which means many of them are still there, fighting and waiting, hoping they can stay safe. One of them is 31-year-old Katya, 
She's asked us not to use her last name. You may remember her from last week's episode. Katya has continued to send us updates on what her days are like in Kiev right now, mostly stuck in her apartment with her mom and her dad, watching videos of otters and listening to Lana Del Rey, checking the news about the Russian advance. Katya takes it from here. Um, it is March 1st, 2022. It is 11.11 a.m. in the morning here in Kiev. I thought that I would give you a requested tour of my apartment. So I'm standing at my doorstep right now. Um, there is a mat on the floor that says hello in English. <laughs> there is uh, a sack on wheels, basically. That this is a kind of, you know, babushka case, you know, people have emergency backpacks and emergency cases. We have this like babushka sack on wheels um, that we also use. We have some stuff in there that we prepared for the worst case scenario. There is a water bottle just for us. There is a small vodka bottle, not because we're drinkers, but because um, it can also work as an antiseptic, so, I don't know, to wash your hands. I have documents, um, my laptop in the hope that I can use it to work even if I have to run away. I have some of my clothes. Right of the entrance there is a kitchen. Right now, in the doorstep here, there is my dog, who is having his uh, breakfast. Inside the kitchen, there is my lovely mom, who is making us soup for... Um, it's 11 a.m., so I don't know if it's counted as breakfast. I think it's brunch, which is, again, crazy thing to say when you're uh, living... <laughs> in a war zone. There is scotch tape on my windows so that if they break, they at least fly um, four directions and not 360 directions. And we have some canned goods on the floor that we made ourselves. Also on the right, there is a room that I always hoped would be a nice room to just host guests. I really love hosting. I just bought a couch because I really needed it. So my parents now stay with me. So we needed more places to sleep. So I bought this couch for me to sleep in this room. And now I just use cushions from this couch to sleep in the corridor. I think it's maybe apart from the bathroom is the best option to survive in case of blast. But I still sleep very well here. I mean, I slept for only a couple hours for the first four days. And then this night I slept for 10 hours. I think I really needed it. There is my dad's room. My dad is lying uh, all day, basically. And you can hear he's listening to his radio right now. 
Um, he has a small balcony, so hopefully if some rocket hits his window, at least maybe this like double window, this balcony can take most of the blow. It's weird that like my parents have so much old stuff and <laughs> for many for many years I held I mean there are also pre objects that are really precious for me but most of the stuff always seemed for me to be unnecessary but looking at it now I just get <laughs> just get emotional Like, there's a picture I painted for him when I was maybe 10 years old of two dogs. My dad used to really love dogs and we have, we had a Labrador dog and now we have um, Akita dog and my dad, uh, my dad really loved their Labrador and this is a picture of two Labradors. And if it was up to me, I would totally throw it away. But now I look at it and it's just like connection to my dad. I thought that for this recording I would just try to walk you through what I have now on my various social media. On just this one platform I have 5,203 unread messages. So first chat I have here is a chat that I have with my colleagues. Second one is with the colleagues from my former workplace. Third one, again, is a chat with colleagues. Fourth one is a chat I have with some of my closest friends. Then I have a channel that just posts me, a channel talking about sex. For example, they posted a war joke, why Ukrainians will win is that we haven't been masturbating <laughs> for six days. It was posted on the sixth day of the war. Commander of the armed forces of Ukraine, he posted, armed forces of Ukraine have hit uh, a Russian fighter jet. Yesterday, one of the women here in Kiev destroyed a Russian drone by throwing a jar of pickled tomatoes. Yeah, and she says that she feels sorry for the pickled tomatoes that she had to sacrifice for destroying the drone. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, um, as I was reading you this, I just got a message on another social media from a friend of mine who had lived in Kharkiv before this started. And I hadn't heard from her since Friday last week. So I was a bit concerned. And then now I got Another message from another friend wanted to check in and hear how you're doing. So I will just quickly answer her. And the one that has the most subscribers, it has almost 60,000 every day. 
it sends a message that says, unfortunately, Putin hasn't died today. That's the only type of uh, content this channel has, which is hilarious, I think. Oh, wow, there are bombings. Pretty loud ones. Let me check if there is an alarm. There is no alarm at the moment. Weird. It seemed like it was pretty close. So anyway... Uh... Okay, so we went back online and there is an address by the president. You know that Zelensky is a bit of a sex symbol in the West right now, so I hope this is a bit of an ASMR sesh for you as well. I'm sorry if this was way, too, way harsh of a joke. Okay, now he's, he talked a little bit about how some intentions that's and ambitions that seemed so important before the war now um, don't seem as valuable. And now he's listing people who have proven themselves Ukrainian heroes over the last couple of days. So this video with this address has only been up for 12 minutes and it, it already has 26,000 likes. So take that to influencers. Uh, it is March 8th, um, 2022, here in Kiev. Um, I'm really sorry if I sound off today and if I talk way too slowly. I, I'm just more mentally exhausted today than I um, have been when recording my other of these diaries. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, you can really drive yourself crazy by uh, reading everything <laughs> uh, from different sources. And so I think a big thing in this kind of situation is to dose um, the inflow of information and be really mindful of what you consume. That said, uh, when you are in a war zone, uh, you know, unplugging from information is really hard it's just it's just you know you have a constant need to update um, your knowledge of the situation and i think i have done a bad job of doing that today so my resolution for tomorrow i know it sounds funny but my resolution for tomorrow is to only read the information sources that provide me with critical information, you know, the information that they need to survive here, what is going on here on the ground, and my brain just needs to rest a little bit.
so I'm on the stretch right now. Four, 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 four. Um, with my dog, surprise. <laughs> uh, it is March 8, um, 1740, so 5.40 p.m. And I insisted to take uh, my dog out uh, this evening because um, this has not been the best mental health day for me to... Oh, I don't know if you could hear it. There, there were a couple of explosions in the area, but uh, somehow at this point they turned into a bit of a white noise. I know it sounds horrible and stupid. You shouldn't take explosions as that, but uh, as they're happening multiple times every day, you also have to learn to somehow live your life, walk your dog, work your job, take care of your parents, buy your groceries, buy your medical supplies and uh, so I think we'll just walk around. You can hear the cars because we are in the open street. Uh, there are some barricades uh, built on the street. Uh, I will not talk about them in details because I don't know to disguise any sensible information. Um, but yeah, I can see one of our warriors just getting into a regular car. Maybe he has a day off today, you know. People who defend us also have to rest at some point. As I said, I think I will just walk around for a little bit. I have been out for maybe 20 minutes. I already feel like this boosts my mental health enormously. Um, I hope this was in any way interesting. I'll talk to you later. After the break, the view from Russia. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm here. Hello, one, two, one, two. This is Alec Loon. He's been Vice's reporter in Russia for years. So, Alec, this is the first time that we have you on the show. Just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Nice to speak. First off, how are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy week. The news from Russia is just more and more grim. You've been living and reporting from Russia for years now. Yeah, I've 
I first came to Russia in 2008. I have been working as a journalist in Russia for basically more than a decade. We've seen all these things taking shape, but it, it just, everything got a lot worse really fast after the invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, and, and like that's why I wanted to talk to you, right? Because you can provide that kind of context. Can you tell me about the beginning of the war in Ukraine from the Russian perspective? Like, how did most people in Russia learn that it was happening? What was their reaction? Well, the one of the scary things was that there wasn't much of a reaction. In Moscow that week of the invasion, things kept happening. First, Vladimir Putin announced that he was going to recognize the separatist republics, the breakaway statelets in eastern Ukraine, which would would pave the way for Russian troops to be deployed there. And then if two days later, you know, I woke up in the morning and opened the news and, and at 5 a.m. that morning, Russia had started sending tanks. The months-long buildup of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine has turned now into an invasion. And so, you know, it was like the world had had stopped because it just was like something that we never believed possible um, had happened. Military bases, airports and aircraft have been targeted and bombed. But the thing was, we were talking to people on the street and ordinary Russians did not seem to be grasping the gravity of the situation. And I think that one of the reasons is that there was a blackout, essentially, of, of information, real information about the war on state media. And that and that just adds to the Orwellian feel of this. So as the bombs mm. were dropping on Kiev, state television in Russia was saying there's a defensive operation in eastern Ukraine to protect Russian speakers from Ukrainian Nazis. And it had gotten to the point where it was peace is war. That was the official message, was that peace is war. Wow when you were out on the street talking to Russians about this this declaration of war, right? Do you remember anything specific that people told you? Like, does anything stand out? Yeah. Well, thinking about this and thinking about how Russians can watch as their government does this terrible thing to a, a neighboring country, which is so close to Russia, which is considered, I, I just can't emphasize enough, the strong cultural connection that, are, that is there. Not to mention the mm. blood connection. There's so many people in Russia who have relatives in Ukraine. And so, yeah, it was, it, I was trying to understand how Russians could essentially sit by and accept the fact that their government was bombing their brotherly people. I was speaking mm. with one protester, and she said, um, you know, people say that people here are brainwashed. Well, they're, they're not brainwashed. They want to be brainwashed because it's easier that way. And I think mm. that that really struck me. And I, and I, I kept hearing that, I guess, echoing in, in what people were saying on the streets. You know, since the beginning of the war over the past two weeks, I have seen a lot of videos of protests in Russian streets and I'm wondering if you got to witness any of that, you know, what how what exactly has been going on with these protests? Yeah, I got to witness it very close. I was just standing by the the metro entrance with our with our film crew and all of a sudden from behind a couple of riot police grabbed me, threw me against a police van, frisked me, put me in the police van the whole time I was saying I'm a journalist. American journalist. They didn't care about that at all. Luckily, uh, our producer spoke to an officer who came over, and then he checked my documents and let me out of the police van. 
But, you know, when I was in there, there was at least a dozen people in that police van already, a lot of young people. And now it's getting even even scarier where police are stopping people on the street and checking their phones to see if they might have been messaging with friends about any sort of protest. Yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard that they're forcing people to unlock their phones. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's That's been recently this weekend where, yeah, we saw a lot of pictures and, and reports about people um, being forced to show their phones to police, police coming to relatives and home addresses of anyone who has, say, signed an online petition against the war. Mm. Um, all sorts of intimidation tactics to keep people from getting to the point where there might be a crowd of people on the street. It's entering the territory where it's 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 almost like they're going after people for thought crimes because people don't even have a chance to unfurl a poster or chant a slogan. They're arrested before that even happens. We've talked about, you know, the Russian government seems to be controlling this narrative. You know, stopping these protests is part of that, but they've also cracked down on social media, right? Yeah, they've cracked down on on media in general. There's been a clear strategy of trying to shut down all forums for any sort of critical voices or alternative information about what's going on in Ukraine. Well, a new Iron Curtain has fallen in Russia, and this time it's an information Iron Curtain. TV Rain, the big opposition television channel, which is no longer on television because it was forced off television a few years ago, they were forced to stop even online broadcasting and shut down. No to war was the final message broadcast by TV Rain, one of Russia's last independent media outlets. Echo of Moscow, which is the big liberal radio station, which seemed untouchable. They got taken off the air in the middle of a broadcast. And there are no independent media outlets left. The government has banned news outlets from calling the invasion of Ukraine anything but a special operation. And the government has forced independent newspapers like Novaya Gazeta to delete articles that referred to the war as a war. So really, there's there's no real place to, to do that kind of, to speak openly about the war anymore. The Russian government has said that it will block Facebook and it's restricting as- access to Twitter. And honestly, it's been slowing Twitter down so much that it's been almost unusable for the past couple of weeks in Russia. From your perspective, what does it mean that Russia, that Russians are becoming increasingly isolated from the rest of the world in terms of information. What impact is that going to have? There's two sides to the coin, I think. On the one hand, it's, it is important that Russians realize what a big deal this is, especially because they're not getting the full picture from their government or their news. Mm-hmm. And now sanctions are such that it's going to affect people in their, in their daily lives. 250 companies have left Russia in the past couple days. More Western companies are reacting to the invasion. McDonald's is temporarily closing 850 restaurants in Russia. Even McDonald's, right? McDonald's, which was the symbol of Russia opening up to the world when the first McDonald's opened in Moscow in 1990. The list of big name companies cutting ties with Russia grew longer on Wednesday. Among them, Netflix has paused new projects in the country, while fashion outlet H&M and tech company Oracle have suspended all sales and operations. So on the one hand, I, I think, yeah, that'll that'll be a wake-up call. 
to Russians who are preferring not to know what's what's going on in Ukraine. On the other hand, the West probably does have to be careful about isolating Russians too much because isolating Russia also plays into Putin's hands because right. Putin's message is that Russia is a besieged fortress. The West is trying to contain Russia. Every time new sanctions are adopted, Putin says, well, I told you so. The West is trying to stifle Russia's growth, keep us from being the great power that we are. Right. It's and confirming his narrative. It's confirming his narrative. This morning, Russian lawmakers passed a law introducing jail terms for anyone who publishes so-called fake information about the country's armed forces. Can you tell me about this latest law on journalists? So there's been a couple things that have happened regarding journalists. One was that the Russian government reminded Russians that any sort of consulting with foreigners could be prosecuted as treason. So that affects um, people working with, with foreign media as staffers on the ground. Then um, there was, of course, the crackdown on Russian independent media. And then finally, the, the, the cherry on top was this law passed on Friday against false information which is extremely vague, saying that any sort of false information spread about the Russian military can be uh, either fined or punished by prison time. And that prison time can be up to 15 years. And it hasn't been applied to the foreign media yet. So, so far that law has been used to crack down on protest, but it, it could easily be applied to most news reports about the war in Ukraine. You know, we're talking about things like McDonald's and economic sanctions, but like we're also talking about a war where people are dying, right? The whole world has seen pictures of dead Russian soldiers on the ground in Ukraine. Are people in Russia seeing those pictures? Do they know about the casualties? You know, do are Russians being given a real picture of the cost of this invasion? The short answer is no. The thing about Russian propaganda is there is a grain of truth. It's not totally mm. made up like in Soviet times. They'll take something that is that is true and then distort it until it's almost unrecognizable. And that's happened with the whole war in Ukraine and it's happened with the casualty figures as well. At first, Russia wasn't saying anything about casualties. It was as if there weren't any casualties. Then the authorities started admitting casualties, but much lower numbers of casualties than now we've gotten to a point where Russian state media is celebrating to to a degree, um, you know, running broadcasts about a heroic soldier who was killed defending Russian speakers in Ukraine, but still not giving the full extent, still not giving the same numbers as Ukraine or the U.S., where they're estimating that something like 2,000 to 4,000, maybe even more Russian soldiers have been killed in this operation so far. So people in Russia don't have that full picture. And there are right. thousands of families in Russia that are missing a son. This war is, is, so, is so much an information. It's obviously a real war, but at the same time, it's an information war. But, I, you know, one interesting thing was the reports that martial law could be declared in Russia. A journalist based in Russia put out this Twitter thread. He says he has left Russia, that there are reports of a possible martial law, even border closures. Which would be, which would be a huge escalation. The thing was, those reports came originally from an advisor of President Zelensky in Ukraine. So 
uh, that advisor said, oh, I see. I have information that Russia is going to declare martial law, um, you know, and close the borders. But then, of course, Russia didn't declare martial law. It hasn't declared martial law. Is it possible that uh, that was, you know, information war on the side of Ukraine? Did they make it up completely? Or did they simply say that Russia was planning to declare martial law, which maybe was true, and then Russia held off on declaring martial law so that they wouldn't play into the Ukrainians' hands? So it gets all very convoluted and and, uh, really muddies the waters, which is also a goal of the information war, I think. Right. You and I, right now, we're talking on Wednesday, March 9th, and obviously things are happening really fast. As of this morning, though, can you tell me a little bit about how your sources are experiencing that fear on the ground? Well, let me say that I have fewer and fewer sources on the ground because so many Russians have left Russia in recent weeks, and and that's a lot of them have been people that I know in Moscow. I think it still is in this kind of state of suspended animation in Russia where it doesn't seem quite real. But I do know that that friends in Russia are are very, very scared at this point. I'm very, very scared about what's going to happen in Russia. Whereas I could always see a logic before, there always seemed to be a logic, however twisted, to the actions of the Russian Mm -hmm. government. Now it often seems illogical. And, And that's... That's scary because then it's unpredictable. Yeah. Alec, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I just I just really appreciate your work, and uh, I, I hope to be hearing more from you soon. Thanks for saying so. It's, it's my pleasure. For the past week, our producers Ashley Kleek and Steph Brown have been talking to Russians about the conflict in Ukraine. Steph spoke to Natalia in St. Petersburg about what these last days have been like. The last week was absolutely crazy. The right word would be disoriented because none of us were expecting, you know, that something like this might happen because it's insanity. And uh, it's, it's very hard to explain, actually, these kind of feelings. Uh, you feel absolutely like you can't do anything. You see all of this happening, you can't do anything because, you know, many reasons. <laughs> you can't even go to protest, actually. Most of my friends, me, we were just, we couldn't sleep, we couldn't eat. I, I, I think I lost already kilograms during this, uh, all these days. We were just sitting in our phones and refreshing feeds, reading what's going on. And it was like crazy. I felt like I'm going crazy, actually, because I can't do anything. I can't concentrate on anything. I can't even do my job. Yeah, I'm 33. I live in St. Petersburg, Russia. I'm basically a vlogger. I vlog about Russia, just daily life and explain culture. So I used to do that. I'm not sure about nowadays. One of my friends said, if you feel so bad right now, it means you're a good person. And uh, I felt like, yeah, probably this is the best description ever. Because right now we have to choose words. Right now we have to take care of what we are posting. We can't speak openly. We can't talk about our army. We can't talk about helping to someone. Like, I can't anymore, you know, help my friends in Ukraine. I can't even make a post, like, donate here. We can't even send help to our relatives there. Because uh, we're trying to send uh, money to, like, relatives and the uh, bank cards here you know, got blocked. 
prices are going up, companies are closing, uh, shops, they stop selling things unlimited. So, you know, if you go to buy something like potato, there's limit for how many kilograms you can buy from shop. I'm not leaving. I can't leave. Many people, they don't understand, but uh, it's mm -hmm. still my country. My grandma who went through blockade and she's 90 years old, she lives here. Mm -hmm. My parents live here. I, I know that dark times are coming and I'm not sure that they will be able to deal with that. Сейчас 8 марта 2022 года. My name is Anna. I am 25 years old. I live in Moscow. I work as a biologist. My mother and I have friends in uh, Ukraine. Uh, every day we call them hoping they are still alive. Mom uh, sends uh, her friends videos and photos of me and my friends from the protests. Uh, so they, that uh, they know that we are not silent. We will fight uh, for ourselves, uh, for them. Every day we hope uh, that our loved ones uh, on the other side are alive, uh, that your friends will not to be taken into the army and sent to Ukraine. Uh, the sanctions uh, hit first of all on us, the liberal-minded young people who were already trying to change something in this country. It really saddens me that um some of my family members in Russia don't believe that there's war happening in Ukraine because of crazy propaganda happening on Russian TV and in Russian media. It makes me really, really sad. I am now in Athens, Greece. I am 33 years old. I am here with uh, my two children. And uh, for the last 13 days, my life has changed so much and it has turned upside down and I feel accordingly. I have a lot of family members in the west of Ukraine, um, near Lvov, um, because my father is originally from there, so I'm half Russian, half Ukrainian, as many, many people in these countries are. And um, I, my ex-husband is now in Kyiv. Um, he's the father of my children and we co-parent together. So I live between Moscow and Kyiv. Um, I've explained things as they are uh, to my kids, that there's war in Ukraine and Russia is trying to invade it. That's why we can't go back um, home to Russia and that's why they can't uh, see their dad in Kyiv. Um and um, um, they just said that dad needs to hide really well. And it's funny how supportive they are. And um, they record messages to their dad uh, on Telegram. Uh, so, yes, I, I'm not trying to hide anything from them. Uh, my flight back from Athens was uh, to Kiev, And, of course, uh, it's been cancelled. 
Uh, and now I think I have to stay here because in Russia I'm uh, jail time is waiting for me. Um, Recently there have been some new laws introduced in Russia. For example, if you supported um, a Ukrainian army uh, with money or uh, with some, I don't know, information uh, on your social media, uh, you can face up to 20 years in prison. And um, I did that. I sent some money to uh, some funds uh, in Ukraine. Um, also, if you call war, war, um, this is also dangerous and um, you can be in prison as well. So I will try, I will try to stay here for the safety of my children and um, I really hope that uh, it ends sometime soon and um, I will be able to go back to Kyiv. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Special thanks to Alec Loon and thank you to our audio diarists in Kyiv and Russia. For more coverage, follow Vice World News on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, and Vice News on Vice TV. This episode was produced by Steph Brown, Ashley Cleek, Sam Egan, and Sam Greenspan, along with Adiza Egan, Stephanie Karyuki, Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Pran Bandy, Steve Bone, and Natasha Jacobs. Our executive producer and the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Dimros. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but for real, please rate and review the podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.